Welcome to episode six of the Alt Brow Podcast. Sorry it's been so long since the last one. Um, today we talk about coffee. Uh, there's quite a few coffee beers out there, and I brought in our good friend Campbell McIntosh, who works over at Flying Goat Coffee in Santa Rosa. But first, we get to talk with one of my favorite musicians of all time, Bill Stevenson from The Descendants, All Black Flag, The Lemonheads, uh, and also from The Blasting Room in Fort Collins, Colorado. And we talk about The Descendants' new beer uh, collaboration with McKellar out of uh, the old Alesmith Brewing Facility in San Diego. It's called Feel This Coffee IPA coming out in uh, Oakland on Thursday. That's tomorrow the 10th. Yes, tomorrow, November 10th uh, here in Oakland. Already released down in San Diego for their beer week. You can get bottles at McKellar Oakland and possibly a couple of other specialty bottle shops. So without any further ado, check out this interview with Bill Stevenson, followed by our interview with Campbell McIntosh. Enjoy. How you doing, Tim? Hey, Bill. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I was the one that wanted you to do it early, and then I got I kept getting delayed. <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens, man. I'm not worried about it. Are you guys on the road right now? Are you heading back to the West Coast? No, I'm I'm home. Okay. Today. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm literally just home for a day. Yeah, I saw on the, yeah. that you guys are doing like Portland or uh, Pacific Northwest next. Yeah, fly. Fly out there. All right. So, night. so I know that last, like when we were texting, you were saying you know, you're not a you know an expert on beer or anything, but that's not really what uh, you know. It's it's a big circle jerk when you t- go look at these like beer podcasts and stuff. So it's it's easier to just talk to re- like regular people. If that works well, for you, <laughs> yeah, I th- I think as it relates to beer knowledge then yeah you have a regular person on the phone that's what as I like. opposed to as opposed to a beer person well it makes for more interesting podcast anyway uh you guys are uh, on the road uh we just saw you recently in san francisco you're heading back to the pacific northwest how many more dates on this tour right now oh let's see well we got a few more a few few in the northwest and then uh just a little bit of a like a couple weeks off and then we go to south america and then then a few more weeks off and then we go to australia you're doing Uh, the whole global run keep we're gonna we're gonna keep moving but we we kind of we move at a pace that's a little bit um less i guess less density of bookings compared to what we used to do i mean i think about i spent most of my adult life you know in a van or some kind of touring vehicle we used to do uh uh, you know, 150, 200 shows a year. Uh, now, now we, now we do less. We, I think we're trying to keep the, keep the band being fun. I think that's why we've managed to be together forever. Is that we've we've tried to not let it become a you know a grind or a gruel too much. You know, maybe we did a little bit when we were real young, but. I don't know. That's I think that's what breaks bands up is that whole thing. Well, I think when you're young, you also um, kind of get more of a kick out of that grind. Looking back on it, I mean, we didn't really have anywhere to live, 
I'm not, this isn't like a sorrow story. I'm not, I'm not, it's not, I'm just saying that there wasn't necessarily a reason to like go home because there wasn't really a home. I mean, we were just sleeping on the floor of our practice room. So what was the, what's the difference between doing that and just staying at somebody's house? It's kind of the same, you know? Yeah, for sure. So it was interesting. You did mention that, you know, you spent your whole adult life in uh, pretty much in a van. And one of the questions I did want to ask you was, you know, the you guys are known for being like obsessed with coffee and uh the ep- this episode of the podcast we're going to kind of focus actually on coffee you know somewhat as it relates to beer but just in general and uh, i mean you I, I first of all i'd like to know where that kind of coffee obsession came from but also i was really wondering like when you're on the road i mean are you guys just hitting up the chains to get your coffee like locally <laughs> or are you actually i mean I'd, I'd love to know how you guys were actually making coffee when you're on the road, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, just to feed that caffeine fix. I, I can only imagine uh, some of the shitty coffee you had on the road and maybe some of the good stuff. Well, I, <laughs> coffee's like a, like a lot of things. Um, if it's good, then great. But if it's bad, it's still good. It's kind of like <laughs> pizza okay. and sex. <laughs> Well, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna actually say that, but yeah, those are the two, the two things that that people always say that about. Um, you know, well, when it's bad, it's still pretty good, right? right? So, we're not, none of us are coffee snobs, but I mean, if given the choice, I I I've been leaning. It's funny, I've been leaning toward the high test versions of of all things. Like in the last five six years, I almost want to say very like. Yeah, almost coincidental with my post post brain surgery. I feel like I I really prefer espresso mm-hmm. nowadays. I just like to I'll have like four or five espressos just <laughs> just so low low volume, you know, of of liquid, you know, just like yeah. get the espresso in me. And then and I've gravitated that way also um like with the beers, I would be if 10 years ago I would be the last guy in the world to touch like an IPA or even a I don't know, even a, like even hardly a you know a red ale or something. I just I would I would drink you know pills pilsner and lager, and um, but in the last five six years, I'm, my tastes have gone toward the just most extreme <laughs> extreme hoppy beer. It's almost like I'm a I'm a parody of my former self who would <laughs> who would make fun of that. And then uh, and then also like with the single malt scotches, you know the real the stuff that just smell like a sharpie pen, you know, like a, <laughs> really medicinal like, and like plastic. Yeah, almost. yeah. So I'm just I don't know. It's like really I'm, I kind of reached like every everything's got to be like the f- most thing that it can be. <laughs> I've, only, I've only heard about that with like my dad, who's a smoke, who was a smoker, was like he just had to go like like when he ate spicy, he had to go way over the top on the chili peppers when he. Oh, did and then with the Indian <laughs> with the Indian food yeah with the indian food i get this crazy stuff that's like if somebody made you a vindaloo but that was just from hell itself this real crazy stuff that's spelled p-h-a-l paul Uh i think is how you say it i'm not sure i haven't had that and i can get i can get that easily in in say england or whatever but in the states you kind of got to seek it out a little bit for sure you find find those like hole in the wall places that know how to do it yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you guys get connected with um, McKellar Brewing over in San Diego? Well, t- to be perfectly honest, it was kind of a like a liaison with Epitaph. Epitaph apparently had, you know, worked with, with them before. 
and so you know they kind of introduced us and and it was it was sort of that simple right and i know that uh bill i think his last name is batten or uh, if i'm pr- pronouncing it right he's a brewer over there and he had commented uh that he kind of grew up in the skate punk scene so like when it landed on on his plate as an opportunity he jumped all over it and and i was also told that uh a big part of the equation was Dark Matter Coffee, who you guys have already done a, a, a roast with out of Chicago. In fact, I'm looking at in my kitchen my uh, Dark Matter uh, Lawrence Arms collab poster, the greatest coffee ever sold. Um, I know you guys have worked with them, so then this this for the new album Hypercaffeum Spazinate, you know, coffee inspired name uh, that you guys had done a, a blend or a roast or whatever with uh, Dark Matter. So it seems like that was like the perfect addition and, you know, to, for uh, McKellar, who's actually really famous for his coffee beers. Well, yeah, the funny thing is, even though the even though the McKellar thing was kind of just, uh, you know, sort of a hookup through Epitaph, if you will, um, come to find out here in my little the place I call home now, which is Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, and Fort Collins is I think it's considered one of the more prominent uh, and certainly the more. Uh, having pioneered the whole craft beer movement, you know, absolutely. Fort, Fort Collins is, you know, it's got a, 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 you know, a name for itself in that way. And so some of the barrel houses and the breweries here where I'll go in particular, there's one that's 80 yards from my house and, <laughs> and they, they were really, um, they showed a lot of, uh, reverence and respect for McKellar brewery. Um, when the name just came up and so I was like, Oh wow, we're in, this is a really, um, you know, admired and respected place among yeah. among people among people who know better, you know, because <laughs> I I honestly don't know better among the beer snobs that are being interviewed on other podcasts. <laughs> I, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, McKellar is well, very well respected. I mean, he's he's doing stuff uh, all over the planet. He owns bars all over the planet. He's got a beer festival that is usually in Copenhagen, but he just did it recently in uh, Boston. And um, some of the people we've we do we do beer collaborations with uh, with this website, and some of the people we've worked with have done work with them, or they're or they're um, planning on doing some work with McKellar. So it's pretty cool. And, and now he has actually a, an operation. It used to be Alesmith Brewing, uh, which is still around in San Diego, but they got into a bigger facility, so the smaller brewery uh, went to McKellar. So that's uh, that's actually who ended up doing the beer for you guys. Uh, here in Oakland, that's coming out. Uh, he actually, again, McKellar actually has a bar in Oakland, and uh, they're going to be releasing the bottles on Thursday, this Thursday, November tenth. So I, I plan oh, on wow. I plan on getting over there and grabbing a few. I have f- some friends who want me to grab them if I can. So I, I haven't gotten to try the beer yet. I know that it was down last week in San Diego for their San Diego Beer Week, but uh, yeah, I look forward to trying it on uh, you know later this week. Well, yeah, they sent they sent each band member two of the actual, you know, finished thing with all the artwork on the bottle right. and all that. And uh, they sent us two kind of um, ahead of time, a little little bit ahead of time. And then today, today, I got 96. We each got <laughs> 96. So two plus 96 is how much? Oh, well, that's 98, man. And you know the song. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, also I was going to say so the the name of the the beer. Just let's get this out. Is feel this coffee? Uh, or excuse me, feel this coffee IPA. Read that wrong. Um, Seven point three percent. And feel this is a song off the new record, correct? 
Yes, it is. All right. I'm going to play that uh, on as our outro on this episode, if that's cool with you guys. Maybe I'll... Oh, be- okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So you guys... Now, did each of you get 98 or was the 96 you're supposed to share with the rest of the band or how did that work? Out? No, we each, we each <laughs> got 96 plus two. So 98. That's awesome. Milo, his, his, his somehow got to his house before mine did because I kept <laughs> missing, I kept missing UPS. So uh-huh. he was excited that it was 98 total. Well, I imagine it's a pretty big, uh, heavy shipment that you'll have to sign off for. You wouldn't want that sitting on your uh, doorstep or it w- wouldn't be able to sneak it under your doormat, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I, I I thought I would crack one open here and just drink it while we're talking. I thought uh, that would be you're, in, you're killing me, in, making in this, me making me jealous. In the spirit of, um, well, cool. Yeah, crack it open. Uh, let us know what you think. And uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I've I've done so. I'm halfway through one of these <laughs> twenty ounce bottles already. Are these twenty ounce bottles? Twenty two. Twenty two. How how is it that I have it in my hand <laughs> and you don't and you know how many uh, ounces it's it is? standard with you're dealing with alcohol see, laws and stuff. You're a beer snob. See, you know, see, I never I said I wasn't. That. I never said I wasn't. But I don't like talking to other beer snobs. I like to be the only beer snob in the conversation. That's the trick. Well, then you've you've succeeded for this <laughs> evening. As far as beer, you you're drinking the heavier, tastier IPAs. I mean, what do you remember? You know. In uh, in the early years of the band, I mean, you guys probably weren't even legal drinking age for several for the first of the several years you guys started, but uh, but I mean, we're talking in the seventies, eighties, even the nineties. Um, just when I started drinking, beer has changed a lot. I can't imagine the changes that, especially someone who's on the road. I mean, what do you guys remember as far as like those early kind of weird beers, those early craft beers? Well, going back a little further, so I didn't have any beer of any kind until I was 22 years old, I think it was. Uh, Yeah, 22 years old um, was the first time I drank anything. And it was just whatever we could get a, you know, whatever we could get a 12 pack of because we were, we, uh, we would fill the sink you know, with the ice and water and put them in the sink. Cause we didn't, there wasn't really any space really to have like a cooler and there just wasn't, we didn't have a cooler. So we would fill the little sink in the practice room and, and that, so we, we could get a 12 pack and it was just whatever watery beer there was. And that was kind of what it was the whole time. And then I remember the first time we, the first time we toured Europe, um, when all went over there in like 89 and then they gave us like actual real beer, you know, over there. And it was, Whoa, I can't, I can't drink six of these. I can only drink two or three. <laughs> and then, and then, but stayed, I definitely, I definitely stayed in the pills and lager side of it my whole life. Uh, um, uh, and then, I don't know, like I said, like five years ago, I just changed up and now I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the guy trying to get the thing with like, what is it? What is it? What are the units of measurement called? Is it? Oh, uh, you're trying to trick me into being a beer snob again. Is it? Is it an IBU? Is that the yeah, right? Yeah, that's the, the one. Three right letters. Yeah. So I'm trying to get the the one that's got like 300 whatevers and <laughs> all that. I'm. I don't know. I. It's like. It, it's. I kind of fell into that trap, you know. But the, maybe now I'm kind of on the backside of it because now I'm, I'm enjoying some of the subtler beers again. For sure. So would you can cons- I mean do you, what's the uh, IBUs on um on feel this I have not gotten to take a good look at the label to see what it says 
I'm reading it right now. I don't, to me, this isn't like an overtly hoppy thing. It's pretty smooth and something about the way they mix the coffee into it. It almost feels a little bit like sneakily stout ish. <laughs> I think that uh, stouts just generally have a little bit of a coffee quality to them. So, so I, think, I, I don't know. see, I don't see how many IBUs. I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem to say it on here. Well, I know that when I first met you, I uh, was at a, you guys were playing the America's cup pavilion in San Francisco and I showed up with a couple cases of double IPA and Imperial Red Ales, and I remember uh, you being pretty stoked on that. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure how the beer was going to be received, to be honest. Uh, and then, oh, but I've, yeah, but I've <laughs> loved yours because I end up, I end up when I ha- when I have to go up there to do records at Motor Studios, which is um, Fat Mike from No Effects, is yeah. their, their studio. When I end up going up there to do records there. For whoever it is that's around there helping me at the studio, or they always seem to bring over the Lagunitas stuff, and and um, and so I was already totally. I knew I knew all of them already. When, that's awesome. When we met you, when we met you, yeah, and you, yeah, that was the time you came with with other Tim. Too. Yeah, Tim McKee from Mesa Boogie with Mesa Tim. Yeah, exactly. And now, yeah. what's funny is. Uh, my favorite part of that whole thing was uh, Fletcher from Pennywise uh, just refusing to drink them. He said if he can't see through it, he doesn't drink it. And I showed him, oh, and look, it's light, it's golden in color. I didn't tell him how bitter it was, and I think I did get him to try a sip, and yeah, he wasn't feeling it. Ah, that's uh, – I wouldn't have taken him for as to being such a wimp. <laughs> well, when he's like 12 feet tall, yeah, you wouldn't think so, but – you know, that's uh, beer drinkers. It's funny because craft beer has the reputation of like, oh, these people are being sissies about their crafty beer. But some of that beer is really intense. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, you know, you can you, I think you can uh, drink craft beer with some pride. Keep your head up, even if uh, the, the the jocks next to you are drinking their, you know, main big American lagers. And it takes all kinds. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's definitely a place for those uh, lagers. If I, if I go to a punk show or something, uh, I'll still drink a tall can of like Paps. Still love them. I've never liked Paps, but for instance, um, virtually all of the real watery Mexican beers, I love all of those. They're all tasty. For, <laughs> for a while, we had a brewery here close to us. It was in Denver. It was called Del Norte Brewery. They made four Mexican style beers, and they were the they had the best beer names ever. One beer was called Manana. Mm-hmm. One beer was called Orale. <laughs> one beer was called Cinco, and one beer was called Luminario. And they're all just brilliant beers. And of course, this was like my favorite brewery. And of course, so of course they went out of business. It always seems to be the way. Yeah, I mean, I, it looks like they were trying to fill a niche, and you know, it's hard. I know. Have that, you have you heard of it? I haven't heard of that one actually. I have a buddy who owns a brewery in Monterey, Mexico, and he's been wanting me to try and uh, go down there. And he, but he's trying to do more American style beers. Meanwhile, I'm finding breweries here in Northern California doing Mexican style lagers. Twenty uh, First Amendment. Yeah, well, this place had it dialed. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, I am. I'm. I'm gonna send you. A picture of right. I'm doing it right now yeah. of their be- of their beautiful uh, 
their beautiful four beers. I'm sending you Did you save all the bottles? Like No, it's just I, this is just a picture I found I managed to find on online. Yeah, yeah. You know, all in like I said in uh Northern California you've got like all the breweries actually making Mexican style lagers. Twenty uh, First Amendment's doing it. Berryessa did it, um, and they're all really tasty. And then it's interesting that, meanwhile, in Mexico, they're they're trying to brew like beers, f- like American style beers. So it's kind of funny. Well, the what, what's the history though? It, it's actually a German and Austrian influence. Yeah, it's yeah, That's, it's, it's this uh, is where I don't I don't I don't have my facts straight, but something tells me you do. <laughs> well, the. Uh, king or emperor at the time or whatever you want to call it of Austria in the maybe the 1600s I have to double check on that I don't know see I don't know my history but I know that at one time Mexico was part of the same empire as Austria and so there were Austrian immigrants moving over and then when they decided uh, basically when they lost Mexico to Spain they all stayed and the the trade or the the uh, talent they brought over of course was brewing and so no more immigrants were uh, Austrian immigrants were coming over so as apprentices and stuff they were teaching the locals how to make that style beer and now the Vienna lager style isn't even made in Vienna, Austria anymore. It's only, it's pretty much only survived in Mexico. And that's where all those styles come from. Ah. Yeah. Sorry. I got Whoa. nerdy. Oh. <laughs> no, that is that you do know it all, all about it. Yeah. Nah. I, I've, I've, I had to study all this stuff when I took some, uh, there's like beer certification, certified Cicerone exam, certified beer judge. Uh, and I've, uh, every every time someone asks me, I, I I miss a little bit more of. I'm like, oh, it's starting to starting to fade away. Now, you guys said you're going to be going to South America. Are you going to be trying to uh, try the local beers down there? Oh yeah, of course. And uh, you said also Australia. Uh, there's some really good breweries coming out of uh, New Zealand and Australia because there's some actually hops that only grow in those uh, environments. So you, you have some kind of unique flavored uh, hoppy beers. Oh wow! Yeah, like, tell me, tell me what they are. Well, I have to. I'll send you an email and or a text with some of the breweries out there. I think Epic Brewing is one that's well known. Um, but the hop varieties are like Nelson Savine, which has like a wine grape kind of quality, and then there's um, oh, Enigma. I think is the other one lately. And then there's like there's several new hop varieties that are kind of being experimented with. I'll send you a more detailed text or email later. You guys are going to be doing the tour. And then do you have any dates coming up? I know you're playing also with Flag, which is, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, is kind of the, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's basically most of the members of Black Flag uh, in the uh, you know, early lineups and uh, playing all the songs. Keith's in it and uh, you're playing drums and, um, who's on guitar right now with flag? Well, so from the, from the, from the old guard, it's, um, it's me and Keith and Chuck and Dez, you know, and then, um, um, Stefan, Stefan also plays guitar in it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So do you guys have anything coming up, uh, uh, with flag? We don't have anything booked at the moment. Oddly enough, the day before yesterday, we just played our last show of this kind of this season, I guess, if you could say. Right. Um, but, but we'll, we'll do more. I think we just did about 45 flag shows uh, approximately. 
And um, but we'll do more. But but we don't have anything scheduled right at the moment. For sure. Well, I'll definitely try and catch you on the next one. You've got uh, and then Descendants. Um, you guys are going to be doing obviously your international dates, but uh, I'm going to try and catch you on one of the the next shows I can. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to to plug or anything you want to talk about, I know you've also got your studio, The Blasting Room. You guys have recorded uh, artists such as the Atari, Suicide Machines, Alkaline Trio, No Effects. I mean, so many good bands. Um, yeah, is there, if there's anything you want to kind of uh, plug or mention or any projects you're working on. Well, uh, oh, let's see. What have I been up to? I just finished... Um, producing wise, we, we just had friends Rom, which are from Australia. Now they've been on um, fat for, uh, they, they put out some stuff on fat. I mean, a while back, right. They've been around. I want to say they've, their U S releases have been on fat for, for, yeah, like forever. Um, and, uh, we, I remember we toured with them like in the late nineties and stuff. We did their prior record too. Um, uh, that about four years ago and uh, we just had them and they just left and that was really fun. It was, it's, I don't know. It's, it was just a great time. It was just uh, uh high energy the whole, the whole time. I mean, high, I mean, positive and just, I don't know. They're just really, they're just really special people. All, all of them. That's awesome. I'll and, be looking forward to that record. And then now we've got uh Kimuri, Kimuri from Tokyo, who have been to the blasting room, I'm gonna say 14 times, and there's it's a full ska band with a horn section, so they they have to come over here. That many people have to come over here from Tokyo, and they and they they've done it so many times now. I I want to say 14 times. I want to say we've done 14 records for them. That's awesome. How do you spell that that band? K E M. U-R-I, Kimuri. All right, we'll be checking those out, too. And then we've got um, Authority Zero coming up. And uh, what else have we got coming up? I've been, to be honest, this year I've been a little more just focused on the drumming, you know, on, like, being being a drummer. being, And, and I haven't produced as many records this year. Uh, um, yeah, so, you know, one year ago I had a, uh, I had an open lung surgery. The one where they have to cool you way down and then take you off life support, actually flatline you to go in and and operate on your lungs. So I had that happen, and then I had and I had a triple bypass at the same time, open heart surgery. So I'm just enjoying now being able to get full breaths and really be able to to, to enjoy playing better. Because for the last six years, I've basically been operating on 50% oxygen. Um, so I was really like a struggle just to get through the shows really struggling you know wasn't it was fun because i love music but it wasn't fun trying to gasp for air the whole time so now i don't have to gasp for air so i've been just playing tons of shows but still doing some producing we got um what do i see what do i see on here i see teenage bottle rocket coming up uh propagandi looks like we're gonna mix for them um set your goals is maybe gonna come in in the spring and then um Let's see. Yeah. Authority zero Kamuri. That's, those are all the stuff that's kind of on the table right now. Well, that's awesome. It's, uh, it's awesome to see that you're uh, staying really busy and regarding what you had mentioned as far as all the surgeries and everything. I mean, you guys sounded great, uh, in San Francisco a couple weeks ago when I caught you and, um, 
as documented in the in the movie Filmage, the documentary about you guys, I mean, you had gone and you you kind of touched on it briefly with the brain surgery. Um, in the documentary, you mentioned like post brain surgery, you you feel like yourself again, like you know, as far as mentally. And now with these surgeries, it's it's really good to hear that you're you're getting back your breath and you're feeling you know feeling better. At the time of the brain surgery, the the operating logic was that these blood clots that all went into my lung, that they would eventually kind of dissolve or kind of go away. But they didn't. There's a certain small percentage of people where the clots just stay in there and they actually they become like hardened, hardened scar tissue. And it just got harder and harder to breathe, more difficult to breathe. So, yeah, they, they went in there and, and got them out of there. That's good to hear. Well, I'd recommend everybody watch that documentary. Uh, check out the new album, Hypercaffeum Spazinate on Epitaph. Check out the beer, Feel This Coffee IPA with uh, from McKellar and Dark Matter Coffee and the Descendants. Um, and, yeah, so, Bill, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at the next show. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. podcast thank you uh you know we had a cool interview with uh bill stevenson about their new coffee ipa with mick keller and i was like all right let's just do a whole coffee episode and then i realized i don't know shit about coffee and so i figured i'd have you over now you work at flying goat in santa rosa yeah in santa rosa i'm a barista there i've been there for almost three years so I've just had a lot of experience around coffee. For sure. You're not like some a, a master coffee roaster or whatever. I don't no, know what the no. title is. Is I, there like a I formal title? roaster is just roaster. Master roaster. <laughs> That's, or is that, uh, I was thinking of uh, Roastmaster General. It's Jeff Ross from <laughs> Comedy Central. Um, so to my knowledge, and you can, I'd love to have you kind of go over this a little bit. I mean, you certainly know more about the roasting process. Than I do, because you do start with like a totally different color bean that people don't even, you know, I I, I hadn't seen it till recently, like a real a fresh unroasted oh, bean, like a, a, a green, green coffee bean. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I I think I didn't really p- put it together. Like I knew it was roasted, <laughs> some kind, but I just didn't ever think about it until I saw the unroasted. Yeah, yeah, and it's it it's almost unfamiliar. I mean, it's the same shape and everything, but it's right. like. Uh, it almost looks like a green peanut or something. It's just <laughs> weird. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, uh, okay. Well, first question, dark roast or light roast? In in terms of preference or just? Yes. Uh, for me, I think I would prefer a light roast. or o- Only coffee snobs say that. Or a medium <laughs> roast. I, I would rather have a medium roast than okay. either. I'm always done dark roast. <laughs> T- Tamara, dark roast? Dark. She says dark. <laughs> yeah. So I think n- people who don't know the nuances and the all the different flavors you can get out of coffee, I think we all just like... It's like someone who gets a well-done steak. You know what I mean? They just burn it. It's fine. I mean, it, it, I think you can argue that a dark roast is better than a well-done steak. That's true. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's not as blasphemous yeah. is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that the, um, the trying not to be too much of a coffee snob, coffee snob answer right. is when you dark roast coffee, you're, you are going to be eliminating a lot of the flavors that are in the coffee that you would still be able to taste in a light roast or a medium roast. Right. And what you're going to end up tasting with a dark roast is the actual roast itself. Okay. And you can do that well and get a really good flavor out of it. And that's actually worth something. And if you prefer that, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But you're, you are going to lose some of the, the nuances of like the different notes you're getting. And yeah. So it, is there a way to like blend? Like if you really like your roasted like flavors, your darker kind of roast flavors, but you do want to add some nuance, is, can you do blends? You know, I've never actually thought about that. Like, you, you mean like blending a darker roast with a lighter yeah, roast? Yeah, so I'm, both. I'm basically, th- uh, you know, basically everything I process is in beer terms. Uh-huh. And, in, and in brewing, you have, you know, your range of roasted barley, and you have your other grains as well, your wheat, r- rye, oats, etc. But mainly, you're dealing with barley 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. And your very light toasted, uh, pale two-row is... You know, that's 99% of a beer, and e- even a stout, it would be in like 95%. And then your darker roasted, or what they call specialty, or roast mal- uh, mo- roasted malts are anywhere from maybe 2% up to 20%, and that's really on the high end. Generally speaking, your, your main uh, in- you know, ingredient in the grain is your two-row barley, uh, light-roasted two-row barley. So for making a beer, you can say, well, I want, I'm going to start with 90% two-row light-roast, I'm going to add some Crystal 20 because it adds, like, raisin and um, stone fruit character. And then I'm going to add some chocolate malt because it gives that chocolate flavor and some debittered black malt simply for color. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So coffee, it seems like you are... It's more like you buy a bag and it's just that. Yeah, typically. But, um, I mean, there are a lot of blends. I I don't know how we do the blends necessarily at where, we, where I work. But I assume that we actually take the different coffees from different sources and roast them all together. Right. So I don't think we roast like three separate coffees and then blend, and then blend them after the fact. Right. Yeah. So, because I have heard about blends, but to me, it was had more to do with what the um, source uh, unroasted, like you said, bean is coming from. Um, but as far as you, again, it's just a single preparation. 
Yeah, so it's like a consistent roast throughout the blend. So you, you guys are talking, it's almost more like wine. You're taking one fermentation or one uh, preparation, but you can get grape uh, juice from a couple different varieties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like that's a little bit more of what you're talking about. Like it's, you could compare it more to wine than to beer. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know enough about wine. <laughs> well, Krista, Krista, if we had uh, call-ins, she would probably call in on this one. Uh, so we'll ask her when she gets back from Vermont. Uh, go back to episode two, and you can hear our friend Krista talk about wine. Um, so another kind of beer comparison, something a thought I had is um, why, you know, cafes, I, you know, I think that cafe, um, you know, like locally owned coffee shop. I don't want to necessarily say culture, but like the vibe that, that these small shops provide is very similar, similar to like really, really cool craft beer bars. And stylistically they're, they're even very similar. A lot of them are just like the white tile and the stainless counters and mm-hmm. glass. Yeah. But, uh, what you don't have is the variety of brands, like let's say you don't roast your coffee in house. So, so, Mm uh, you buy your coffee from someone else. Why is it that you only see them? Uh, uh, let's talk about a bar. There's bars now that are, uh, buying espresso machines and serving coffee because they're getting that audience. Again, there's this crossover. I feel like with craft beer and coffee, but they find a local provider and they just buy that one, brand of coffee mm-hmm. versus in beer. When you go to the bar, you say, well, I want, um, you know, a ballast point. I want a, uh, Drake's, I want a, uh, almanac or all the different brands because of the different flavors. Why don't you see cafes where they're, they're like, Oh, I have, um, four barrel and we have sight glass and we have, uh, you know, what some of the other, there's many, many brands I don't know. Yeah, that's actually not very common. I, I think I've seen that in a handful of like really under the radar cafes, but um, I wouldn't even mention them by name because I don't want them to stop doing that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I've heard about that is just when you have a cafe or a coffee shop that doesn't roast their own coffee and they're buying from a roaster or a company... Um, they have an account with that company and I know a lot of coffee shops when they're selling like wholesale accounts to these like smaller cafes, they kind of have conditions. Like if you're going to sell our coffee, we're going to come in, we're going to train you how to use our coffee, how to like prepare it properly. Like we're going to have our own trainers from our company come into your place and train you how to like actually use the coffee and present it. And, and you can't have way, other yeah. coffee so th- on the so shelf. Until that last point, the, it's very similar to the beer world. I mean, there are, like, the really sought-after brands, like Russian River. Um, they will make sure that, that their beer only goes to places that are treating it correctly. I have mm-hmm. um, one, you know, I know of one place where there was a skylight uh, in this building, and they had, they were trying to build a display in the front of their little um kind of store in this, you know, bigger, uh, open air kind of market thing, not open air, but it's, it's a bigger uh, market with lots of little storefronts. Mm-hmm. They were trying to build a beer display and show off that they were one of the few people that gets, um, Pliny the Elder and, uh, some sunlight was coming down and, and hitting 
that beer, which is really bad as far as skunking beer. And so they came by and they said, get that out of the sunlight or we're pulling it out of here and you're never, you're not going to get it again. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, and I, and they were perfectly in the right to do that. You know, there's a lot of people who would love to have that beer and they just want to make sure it's being sold, um, and treated properly. However, uh, there are a lot of bars that they will, they're well-trained. Like they take the pride in training their employees how to properly serve beer in the proper glassware and recipe design. And they know more beer, more about beer usually than sales reps for breweries. <laughs> so those places, uh, they don't, you know, they say, look, this is what we're selling. Um, ultimately a brewery is not going to turn down the beer, uh, you know, having their beer there, especially since they know it's going to be treated correctly and it's going to be served by knowledgeable staff. So I think that with, you know, uh, coffee producers, yeah, there's a precedent saying, well, we, you can only have it if you don't have any others, but you know, money talks. Mm-hmm. And if someone says, listen, I want to buy your stuff steadily and I have the best, most knowledgeable staff in the cleanest facility to serve it at. Are they really going to tr- say no? I, I'd be interested to see what happens. I mean, I actually was talking to one of my friends the other week about a cafe somewhere in Oakland um, that actually has coffee from multiple sources. And the staff is probably fairly knowledgeable. They know what they're doing. But I, th- I think that where it starts to fall apart is um, different coffees, different roasters are like roasting to get a certain flavor out of the coffee. And then once you have that roasted coffee, you have to prepare it in a certain way to keep that quality going through to the end, like all the way to, all the, the, way to the cup. Yeah. And I think that when you have coffee from a, diff- a bunch of different roasters, there are just all these variables along the way, like how coarse or how fine you grind it how much coffee you actually use versus how much water you're using. So you're saying there might be almost like cross-contamination because I know that with like the grinders, like there are, uh, you know, these burrs that are inside the grinders, like, uh, you know, they don't get every speck of coffee out in per grind. So of course it's going to, it's almost like seasoned in that coffee. But I, I already thought about this not to try and <laughs> I'm not trying to put you in a corner. Just, I, I kind of, expected like that was going to be a concern. So I kind of thought about it. I was like, coffee grinders are not that expensive. If I, if I, if I was <laughs> having a, uh, a cafe and I, and I'm not talking about having 20 different coffee brands, like a bar has 20 handles. I'm, I'm more talking about like, we have four we have four grinders mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying as far as like the temperature. Cause like maybe, it's they you know they want it at a certain temperature on the espresso machine or what or on the drip whatever mm-hmm. different styles but yeah I, I still I'm I'm still think that the right person could pull it off I think you should do I it I think so too. I think you should you do think it I Campbell. should do it yes <laughs> you and Timmy <laughs> so um all right so you you did say you you prefer like a light or medium roast yeah I, uh, I mean I'd say medium light okay. if you want to get really specific <laughs> <laughs> um. What's as far as preparation? What do you like? Do you like drip? Do you like uh, French press, espresso? It just depends on your mood, or I th- oh, it depends on my mood. But I think every day cup of coffee. What I want is just drip coffee. I don't really feel like I need to go through like the entire process of making a pour over just for 
the cup of coffee that I'm drinking with breakfast or to right. wake up in the morning. So it can just be a, a regular uh, kind of coffee machine. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like it's not like we're talking about uh, Folgers or, you know, coffee crystals or whatever. <laughs> instant no. Coffee. But there's uh, like I, I, I like to think there's a time and a place for that as well. There is. <laughs> I, I actually somebody came into my work like a month ago and he had samples of instant coffee but it was instant coffee from like, you know, a third wave specialty coffee place that was trying to make instant make coffee right. that tastes good. good. Yeah. And I tried it and yeah, <laughs> it has the same kind of like thickness or like mouthfeel that like instant coffee has. It's kind of watery and thin, but the flavor was actually pretty good. It's interesting. Yeah. I'd like to try that one. Yeah. Um, are there any coffee trends you kind of hate right now? Like, you know, I've, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of doing like espresso over ice and I've been told like in Italy, I'd get punched in the face. Um, I've seen coconut iced coffee. There's obviously a lot of like nitro coffee. Is, is there something right now that's kind of bugging you without, without, mm. uh, pissing off any of your customers, but <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing that came to mind was actually just minimalism in cafes. It's just like, yeah, it's just I totally agree with this you point. because it's happening in beer too. <laughs> yeah. And it's just overdone and, you know, every coffee place looks the same. I still like my like grungy, like barista wearing flannel, uh, you know, unshaven and there's like a couch and like, you know, there's stuff pinned on the walls or whatever, like artsy fartsy show that's coming up and like if I get a punk flyer on the wall just whatever the community like the people who are regulars there like there's a little community board there's the owner has some like you know their their brother-in-law's weird art on the wall (laughs) like I like that (laughs) to me that's more comfortable than like a sterile hospital room environment yeah (laughs) and yeah that's kind of actually what really bothers me more so than you know people than like how you're prepping your co- milk or, yeah 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 um but yeah it would i think that's actually gonna come around soon because i i know i'm not the only person that feels that way <laughs> for sure and i think i've already seen it kind of popping up like if you've ever been to brew in santa rosa yeah i was actually just there for the first time um when so bobby tall is uh my best friend from way back and actually your brother-in-law. And mm-hmm. so I, I went out there to go see, uh, there was a homebrew competition. So brew is a really cool spot in Santa Rosa that does, um, you know, coffee and craft beer. And they've got some cool, like just small food items. And, uh, the local like homebrew club in Santa Rosa was doing, a a competition they do every year. And th- but the, the rule this time was specifically to make a coffee beer. Speaking of which, we're drinking Electric Owl right now from Drake's. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, so Bobby entered, uh, and he and you know I was just there for like moral support. But uh, yeah, there was some re- <laughs> really good coffee beers being made. But yeah, Brew is a perfect example of like it's not like you know not too grungy in like the category I was talking about, but it's comfortable. It's like it seems like it's real people that own that mm-hmm. place. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like those really, really like, uh, sterile environment kind of white tile and I guess it's stainless and you know, that stuff, it's just, it does, it doesn't 
show any personality. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I can uh, like figure out who, who is the owner, like who owns this place? Like, what are they about? It doesn't give off <laughs> any of that. And to me, what that reeks of is like, well, I want to be able to sell this place because it's like, if it lacks my, any personality, it can just do it. Anybody could run it. You know it what I mean? It doesn't offend anybody. It doesn't, it's the, yeah. and, and like, I'm telling you, man, this is like my big, um, bone to pick with bars opening up. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, and you know, like to a degree that applies to breweries too. I'm not talking about like their physical location, but just like their branding and they're like, let's not put any kind of, uh, you know, any bit of ourself in this. Like, let's not, you know what I mean? Like they make yeah. it, it's so impersonal and so like just square and shiny and like, you know, yeah, I think that that's I think that's happening in a lot of different um, things, but yeah, actually, for sure, all over the place. Well, yeah, but for sure, coffee and beer. At least the, those are the two things we actually know something about. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, when it comes to the process and like, uh, what are the variables as far as making like your different flavors? I mean, I know that there's origin of the bean there's you know we talked about the different kinds of roasts like what are the what are the ways that you can kind of like make like if you were starting a brand of coffee like your signature style like what what are the Mm. variables you can play with um i well it's really all over the place part of it is the roast obviously like what and i think when you approach roasting and i'm not a roaster but when you're approaching roasting coffee, you have to decide what your priority is going to be. Are you going to roast for the sweetness? Are you going to roast for the acidity? Are you going to roast for, you know, this, that, and the other? Once you have that figured out, then you start roasting it and trying to figure out how to get the most of that quality in the roast that you can. And then from there, you have to decide how are you going to actually brew it? Um, How much coffee do you really want to use like how much coffee versus how much water, but also how much extraction do you want? So how are you going to grind it? If you're using like a one to 16 ratio or something, but you want to actually extract more of it, then you might want to grind it a little finer. Right. And you might get, you know, a stronger cup of coffee versus maybe you want the coffee to be a little lighter. You don't want it to be like super in your face, Mm -hmm. just kind of like taking over your entire tongue. Right. Um, Then you might actually, you know, either use a little less coffee or maybe you'll use the same amount of coffee and just grind it a little coarser. Right. So less um, extraction because Mm -hmm. of less surface, like ratio to water. Okay. Yeah. So have you tried, uh, I've been hearing about like barrel aged coffees um, I've never from, heard of that. Yeah. So hmm. I, from my brief reading today, and I've seen these before, I just didn't really understand where they came from. I was like, I didn't understand like how you do it. But uh, basically you are taking the unroasted bean. Uh, and while I don't know if there's a stage where you're drying or curing or anything before the roasting, but they are aging it in different kinds of barrels. And there's um, bourbon and, you know, there's uh, uh, different kinds of spirits that you can age the the beans in and apparently they're a little bit more over the top on what you extract like as far as what flavors get into the beans Hmm. but then i've heard about also wine barrel 
where they took a variety that already had kind of a berry quality, uh-huh. and then they took the bean and aged it, and then you roll it like every couple days or maybe every couple weeks. I don't know how move long it, it sits. Yeah. yeah, you move it because you're just trying to make sure everything kind of def- you know is even. And then you roast it, and from the one I read about, at least on the wine one, it it uh, it added a lot on the nose, but not on like the palate. It still was I, very I'm much a taste like coffee, but it yeah. smelled more like wine. Yeah, and that's that's another thing with coffee that you have to consider too is a lot of the flavors are coming from the aroma. Like you don't taste them in your mouth, yeah. but it comes from the smell it's of the, the same, coffee. It's the same as beer. And that's why they say pour it in a glass. Don't drink it out of the bottle if you can, because oh, yeah. your nose will actually get go in the glass and you, you know, you don't realize it. You're breathing in and it's like 90%. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah similar thing. But um, I mean, after you roast coffee, it starts a process called off gassing where the gas that's still in the coffee I mean, it occurs during roasting too, but the the carbon dioxide that's in the coffee starts to escape through the bean. And like after about 10 days, you're going to see like a pretty significant reduction in that gas that's still in the coffee. And that gas is actually what's carrying that aromatic quality. So if you want to preserve that, you want to kind of get to the coffee before that 10 day period is over. But then also coffee kind of tastes horrible, like (laughs) one or two or even three days after roasting. So there's kind of like a a sweet spot in between. So I guess in the the beer equivalent of that is, you know, you've got volatile aromas that are, you know, they're attached to alcohol. So there's alcohol is always evaporating out. So like when you swirl a beer and you sniff it, like part of that is alcohol coming out of solution and and stuck to it are all these aroma compounds. Um, and then of course there's CO2 gas, which you Mm -hmm. put in the beer during fermentation or post fermentation and same idea. Like, Mm -hmm. you you know, uh, uh, when you're brewing and you taste something off of like before carbonation, you can get an idea, but you really don't know what it's going to be like until it's fully carbonated. Uh, because it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's as the bubbles are coming from the bottom of the, you know, glass, they're, they're getting, you know, caught with all these aromas and coming up and out and into the, you know, the foam or the head of the beer. Mm-hmm. So pretty similar. So like I said earlier, we are drinking uh, Electric Owl from Drake's Brewing in San Leandro. Um, what do you think? I think it's pretty good. What is it a pale ale? It's a brown ale. A brown ale. Yeah. Okay. Let me grab the bottle real quick and I'll grab the next one. I got two, uh, two for us to try. It's actually new to me, the like idea of taking... Coffee beers? Yeah. Well, not coffee beers, but like coffee beers that aren't stout or porter. Yeah. I mean, there's... I mean, stouts have always been kind of the category, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of really cool beers coming out. Yeah. So I think it's only in the past month or so that I've actually tried ales with coffee in them. And I never even thought that would be a combination but it actually works really well well not to get too nerdy but stouts are ales too oh yeah well Sorry. i didn't even know that <laughs> no, i'm not gonna do it i just did that beer nerd shit with bill i'm not gonna do it with you too <laughs> but uh I, i'm assuming when you when you say ales you mean like pale ales india exactly. india pale ales brown ales etc mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean the at that uh brewing competition we were talking about at brew in santa rosa mm-hmm. um one of the beers that bobby made was actually a cream ale so like a golden color 
Like mm-hmm. this is a brown ale and you know, it actually does kind of look like a lighter cup of coffee. Certainly. Um, yeah. So, um, it's, yeah, there, there are ways to, to add coffee without adding a lot of color to mm-hmm. the beer. Um, for that one, you know, you're talking about extraction. He actually put whole beans. He didn't grind them at all. Yeah. And he okay. put it, he put it into the cream ale, like in the keg. So like the beer was done and he just threw the beans in, I think in like some kind of like a cloth or muslin bag uh-huh. and then let it age for, I think it was only a couple of days and he threw in some vanilla bean just mm-hmm. to accentuate like the cream ale quality. And, um, he actually got fifth at that competition, fifth out of 15, but there was, um, Looks people, well, there's people who the judges, there, there was two judges that put him like first. Oh and yeah. So, somehow. Really? So, and they were people who, in my opinion, knew more about beer than the other judges. So <laughs> I showed, I told him, I was like, dude, like you may have not got, you know, uh, in the top three technically, but the people who liked your beer most are the ones who have, in my opinion, the best knowledge of beer. So. I mean, there was a, a, a coffee like expert who really um, enjoyed it too. So that's good. So props to Bobby Tall. Yeah, I actually um, called my the the roaster at uh, Flying Goat before he brewed that beer because he was asking me questions oh, about yeah. how I should do it. So I, I actually called um, our roaster Jesse and just talked to him for like maybe fifteen or twenty minutes about what the best way to actually use coffee in beer would be because there's going to be, you know, grinding coffee at all and then putting it in beer and having it there for, you know, whatever period of time, there's going to be so much over extraction. Yeah. So that what's crazy is there's a lot of different ways to actually add coffee to beer and Uh every brewery does it a little bit different. Um, there are, are breweries that will add it during the mash, which is when you're actually, um, converting the starch and the grain to sugar because the temperature at which you are doing that is actually the right temperature roughly of when like coffee is <laughs> sh- like, likes to be, you know, if to brew coffee. Yeah, so, so they were just like, Oh, let's throw it in then, you know, the problem is then it's boiled. Um, and so some of those aromatics will kind of come out. So then you have to like mm-hmm. reinforce it during a later phase. Like it, it, there's people who are adding coffee at multiple steps. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, what I've done is do a, I'll pre-boil some water to get the oxygen out. Then I'll, uh, in a sa- in a uh, clean, like a corny keg or something sanitary that I've like, you know, uh, use some um, star sand, which is like a disinfectant. Um, I'll make cold brew coffee uh-huh. and then I'll make it really strong. And then once mm-hmm. I have that and I have a finished beer and I've done this with stout, I actually did uh, the first Altbrow collab was with um, New Helvetia Brewing in Sacramento. And we uh, took their stout and we added uh, Thai chili peppers from my buddy Joe's farm and coffee. It was a Thai chili pepper coffee stout and people really enjoyed it. But the way we added it, because we wanted to use their stout, is we did the cold brew method and we just took like a sample of stout and uh, like uh, eyedroppers and we (laughs) and we and we added uh, a dropper full in a, a half a pint of the beer and kept adding it until it was the right amount of like coffee flavor. And mm-hmm. then we extrapolated up like, okay, that's this much. And we need to actually add this, uh, you know, this many, um, gallons 
into the batch of beer. Uh-huh. And uh, we basically did the same thing with the chili pepper, but we did like a concentrate kind of a thing. Yeah. And yeah, that was our safest way because when you're dealing with chili peppers and coffee and extraction rates, <laughs> it, could, it really could have gone out of control very quickly. <laughs> so that's how we did it. But yeah, I mean, just adding it in secondary, like with what Bobby did, that's another way to do it. But you have to like monitor it, like mm-hmm. like taste it every day, twice a day, probably like, you know, and then as soon as it hits that thing, take it out. Yeah. Because once it hits that flavor you want. So I, I don't know how uh, Drake's did it with this electric owl, but it's pretty tasty. It's eight uh, percent. It wouldn't have thought it was eight percent. It drinks pretty smooth. They used the uh, sight glass coffee, um, and let's see, it's bottled on September thirteenth. So, I mean, with this style of beer, it's uh, you know it can be a couple weeks old, and it's you know it's not like you're going to lose hop aroma. They're not really going for for like an IPA aroma. They're going mm-hmm. for the coffee, and I think it's. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I think they do a good job, actually. I think that it doesn't have, like, a generic coffee flavor. No. So, yeah. It, it actually it, has it, some nuance. Yeah, it actually... I don't know. Sometimes when you have beers with coffee in them, it's just kind of like they could have taken, like, coffee, coffee extract, extract and just dropped it in there. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of them do, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so... The next one we're going to do, I really don't even know how to pronounce. Uh, Evil Twin Brewing uh, has a series called uh, Even More G- Jesus. And this <laughs> it looks like this is in French. It's A-U-N with an accent mark over the U. So, un or aun, I'm not sure. How. I, I'm and then aun mas café Jesus. So, it's basically Even More Coffee Jesus, I think is what it I says. I think so. Um, it says... On the on the bottle, and it's by the way, it's twelve percent. <laughs> Campbell just choked on his beer. Uh, that's why it's a small bottle on this one. On a pilgrimage for immortal craft beer, we tripped on these heavenly coffee beans, threw them in, and created damn good aromas. A thick fudge-like body, pitch black color, and obviously only made it in limited amounts. And the taste, furthermore, Jesus. So I'm gonna go grab a bottle opener. Be right back. Oh, that looks thick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. Lucky for us, we get to do a little bit of a food pairing also. <laughs> My wonderful wife brought us some uh, chocolate cake from her work at uh, Vive La Tarte. Have you tried it yet? I haven't, no. Let me know what you think. It's a lot smokier than I was expecting. Yeah, actually, in the flavor. That's actually uh, smoked malt, I feel like. Okay. That's, yeah. It also smells a lot like cherries, like dried cherries. Yeah, see, they didn't add any cherries on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm not sure if that might come from the coffee. I or... think it's the coffee. Yeah. yeah, the smoke, I think, is is coming from uh, like a smoked malt. But, yeah, I agree. There's like a uh, cherry and dark chocolate kind of quality for it. I think it's going to go great with this chocolate cake. <laughs> yep, it's delicious. Evil Twin, uh his brother, his twin brother is uh from McKellar Brewing. Oh, okay. And they make a uh coffee beer that actually has uh th- like one of the most expensive varieties of coffee. It's the one that's like eaten by a variety of like weasel in South America <laughs> or or maybe in Africa. 
I think in Indonesia is it is where I've heard of that. Yeah, and yeah. so it eats and then it passes it, and mm. it's like through that it like cures the beans through the digestion process, mm-hmm. and they and people like have to like hand gather it in the environment that this creature lives in, mm. and so they they make a coffee stout with that, and it is delicious. But it's uh, it's an expensive beer for sure, but <laughs> it, it is really tasty. He's won a lot of awards for that one. What's like the uh, do you like seek out really expensive rare coffees or do you really care? I don't. Sometimes I just kind of utilize the uh, position I have at a cafe. <laughs> to try samples to, and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> to actually like get things. And, you know, obviously it's only the coffees that we carry in our store that I get to try. Sometimes right. we do tasting like um, cuppings, coffee cuppings. Right. We'll bring in coffees that we're not actually going to end up selling in our store. But just to create conversation and discussion about mm-hmm. like different aromas and and qualities of coffee keeps you on your toes. Something we did recently that I was pretty excited about is we actually finally brought in a dry processed or natural processed coffee, which is um, and you know I I'm not an expert on this, but most coffees that you get are washed coffees where they they kind of like take the fruit off of the uh, bean. And then wash the rest of the pulp, whatever's left on the bean, just the little bits and pieces that right. are still stuck on there. Resi- off with residue water. and yeah. yeah, like you know, think when you're eating cherries. And yeah, you the little bit the that's pit. left. Yeah. Um. But what they do with dry processed coffees is they actually take that and let it dry out, and I guess it probably after that flakes off or something. But um, I imagine it still infuses into the bean. Certainly, yeah. yeah. It actually ferments as yeah. it's dry because well, there's sugar content left behind so yeah that's so interesting it, so is, it, that, um, is that like a high-end coffee is like expensive it might be a little more expensive um honestly sometimes dry processed coffees might just come from like more rural areas that don't have access to you know whatever All the equipment, equipment. They need. yeah yeah so um but they it, they tend to be more like specialty and high end, and if you get that, you don't want to throw it into like a yeah. Starbucks. So that, blend. so that goes back into the single origin question I had. Is like, you know, you, you do see blends. Like the first question I kind of had for you, but mm-hmm. um, do you do you feel like the whole single origin thing is is really valuable to have, or do you like there are uh, for example like single hop IPAs, and they. Mm-hmm. And they don't always taste good. Sometimes that hop sucks. You know what I mean? And <laughs> and so, but they still put it out and it's a selling point. But do you see like single origin beers, uh, beans that are like, uh, I don't need to, I don't need to have that. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably similar because there are definitely single origin beans that I try them and I just think that they're terrible. <laughs> um, like I don't particularly like the citrus notes in coffee. Like lime or lemon, that's okay. But when it's like grapefruit or orange flavor right. in my like, coffee, like pith, like yeah, like I like... feel like I just brushed my teeth and drank orange <laughs> juice when I drink that. Right, it's not very good. It's got a, kind of that numbing, but like a string. It's like a weird astringent <laughs> numbing like effect. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna name names, but there is a Bay Area coffee producer that I can only drink. I I generally drink a lot of iced coffee to be honest, uh-huh. but I do enjoy an espresso. Oh yeah, I cannot fuck with their espresso. That's way too acidic. 
I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but like, yeah, they're very popular. They've got spots all over the city and I'm like, nope, there's no way I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I'm, I'm going to go off of that cause I know who you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. It's very mm. like not even, it's beyond citrusy. It, it, it cause it doesn't, it does kind of taste. It's not that orange thing. It's it just tastes like someone took uh, a lemon wedge and squeezed it into your espresso. Yeah, and it's not pleasant. Um, I I would argue, or maybe not argue, but like just point out my experience as a barista. Like most of the people that come through, order mochas, lattes, maybe stuff with like I don't know something uh, sweet, sweet condensed milk yeah. or vanilla syrup in it, and you know the if that's the majority of what you get, you kind of stop worrying so much about like making sure the espresso is perfect. And that's a big mistake because espresso is such a minimalist thing. It needs to oh, be it perfect. Is. It <laughs> is. And, and when people come in and order espresso, you kind of, you know, start to get a little more on your toes. Like say you just went through a rush and, Everybody ordered like mochas and yeah. vanilla lattes, and your espresso you're just is just them out. somewhere. Oh, you're not and you don't know where it is. And then somebody comes in and orders espresso, and you're kind of like, "Wow, I really hope this is okay right now." Right. Um, I think I have an experience as a barista of like seeing people come in, order espresso, eventually recognize their face and know like that they're coming. Right. And expect it. And right. I, I've had a similar experience at the place you're talking about. Because <laughs> I feel like for the first year when I'd go there and get espresso, it would always be kind of horrible. And only recently... Has it gotten better? Yeah. And I think it's because they, like, started had to recognize complaints. me. Yeah. Oh, no, they just So you. they Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, this guy, like, it actually makes a difference for this customer. Yeah. So I'm going to actually try. Right. Which is well, I respect the fact that you gave him multiple chances. <laughs> I I did it, I think twice, and I was I will never order an espresso there again. Fair I, enough. I like their iced coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I don't know if acidity works better in that format, like in that style. I don't, you know. I think it gets balanced out. I, yeah, there's more water to it, and it's gonna get you know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it works out. I don't know. Anything going on? You got a band? Yeah, I. Actually, we're playing a record release. Well, what's the name of the band? Redwood. All right. So when <laughs> and when is that show? That's actually on Friday at the Orchard House in Santa Rosa. So you're saying I have to edit this and get it up <laughs> before Friday? That's <laughs> pressure on me, Campbell. Well, it, okay, we're putting out a record. It's okay. going to be out by the time this goes up. Yes. Uh, it's called Wildfire. Okay. We recorded it last year with Jack Shirley at a Atomic Garden. Um. We did it all live when we were recording it, so that was a really nice experience. That doesn't always happen when you go into a studio. Right. Um, being able to be, like, as a drummer, being able to be in the same room with the other musicians while you're trying to record your, your tracks right. is really nice. <laughs> it's kind of awkward when you're in an isolation booth trying yeah. to, like... Play to a click and not yeah. be able to see anybody. And, like, and, and like put, like some sort of emotional content yeah. to what you're doing. Um, For sure. You definitely hear that in, there's some, depending on the band, yeah. and like what you're trying to like, the the style of music you're trying to um, put out there, there's, there's definitely like having that live quality makes a difference. 
There's mm-hmm. some, there's some, you know, you get your really technical like metals. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. these guys are, they want to have everything down perfectly on a click with like, you know, what they're trying to highlight is different. Yeah. Um, so what would you describe your, the band, like the style of music? Um, I think we get grouped into post-punk-ish. But I think that's just because post-punk is like a trend right now. And, and it's a we're pretty just like, broad term. Yeah, we're just like a band that's writing music. And since that's something people are like recognized right now, we can just kind of like jump in that. Do you have anything I can uh, online? You have a band camp, right? We do, yeah. And I think our new record, it's actually been released at this point. So okay. you can is actually Is there a song that it. you want to go out on? Um, yeah, the... Last track on the album would be good. You don't know the name of it, do you? It's it's called California Sunshine. Oh, I, I know the name of okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Are you embarrassed because it sounds like an emo song? Um, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just see, kidding. that's the thing is that I, I would proudly say that we're kind of like an emo band, right? But like in the true in, sense in of the, the word, yeah, in the like in, '80s Discord yeah. sense. Yeah, I was gonna say the, in the Fugazi sense, in the Jawbreaker sense, in the. Yeah. <laughs> so. And and also in the sense that like none of the songs that we've written are about like girlfriends. They're actually <laughs> about like things that matter. Well, yeah. Much like sure. a lot of the older emo bands. Absolutely. So California Sunshine by Redwoods, that's what we're gonna go out on. Campbell, thank you very much for coming out. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>